Welcome to the Surviving Depression Podcast. My name is Carl Binger and I am the host. I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of New York, owner of a private practice, author of the book, The Progressive Darkness, and founder of the Surviving Depression Facebook group. I hope that through this podcast, you will hear stories around depression that will educate you, give you hope, and break the stigma around depression. Please be sure to join the supportive Facebook group where we do monthly giveaways and try our best to be a light to depression. Also, feel free to visit the website survivingdepressiongroup.com to buy merchandise or listen to and watch free resources. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. Just uh, just gave the kids a bath there, and I'm just we're just settling down a little bit. So that's good. That's good. Thanks for thanks for uh, joining. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your wisdom, and um, I just you know we've we've talked and we've we've been around each other for a little bit. So I was just really anxious to get you on and get your take on you know depression and addictions and things like that, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to, to be on your uh, podcast. I think it's uh, great that you're doing it and, and glad to be here. Absolutely. So I just want to give a, um, a quick introduction. So um, uh, Dan is married and the father of three children with one on the way and is a full-time independent nurse contractor and former student at open door missions men's addiction recovery program to which Dan later became a supervisor and counselor of the program. Dan's passion is making a big impact on the life of his kids through small moments every day. So Dan, congratulations. So is it your, is it your third or fourth child? This will be the fourth. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So um, good stuff. We're excited. I mean, I'm, I'm 40. Uh, so I'm not getting any younger here. We need to, we need to get going. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I understand. I definitely understand. Uh, I think we just actually had our third, not too long ago. So um, beautiful. So today's topic is just like depression and addictions. And Dan, I just wanted to know, just like based off of your experience, like, um, what, like, ha- have you, personally experienced uh depression or addictions or you've mostly worked around others who've experienced it um both um i I have experienced it myself um for sure both of them addiction and depression uh, as well as being you know just being around a lot of people that are are going through both of them as as well um which one came first for you uh would you say it was the depression or the addiction that's it. That's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, I've always, I've always had, um, a difficult time identifying what, what I'm feeling. Um, so I, I, I tend to think that I did have some depression before I, um, you know, before I dabbled around in drugs, um, which for me, the, the first time I did that was like 18 or 19 years old. Um, 
And I, I tend to think that I, I did struggle with some depression before that, just wasn't able to, you know, articulate what exactly I was feeling. From w- what I've seen working with men at the Open Door Mission, a lot of them do come in, um, you know, the majority of people would say depressed to some degree, um, although a lot of that is usually warranted as far, what I mean by that is like, there's a reason they're sad and it's because they made decisions uh, like I did uh, that were, they, they were poor decisions that brought them to a place of a losing everything and kind of pushing everybody away from them and their lives that they cared about. And there was reason to be sad in that, in those cases, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't just a clinical um, depression where there was, you know, neurochemical issue there that this was you know the the situation that they had put themselves in and that that makes it even harder sometimes because you know you're the one who did it you know and so we kind of are you know taking taking case by case and kind of having them you know having them the men checked out for um you know for physical getting physicals and having their blood work done making sure that there's there's nothing uh, physically wrong with them. Um, and then some of them are put on uh, depression medication. Um, and then uh, others, others choose, choose not to, um, and, you know, so, sometimes that's because of uh, the doctor didn't think they needed it. Sometimes it's because of the person's own um, either pride or guilt like, oh, I'll just, I'm just going to be taking the easy way out. I need to, like, suffer my way through this. You know, I got myself into this mess. Or they're listening to people around them and saying, oh, you're really not trusting God if you take depression medication, you know, things like that. And so those people would just want to, like, tough it out, um, <laughs> which, you know, will, you know, would tell them, like, you know, that's it's not not necessary, like, to put yourself through that, you know, and um you know, to make this harder than it needs to be. And well, some people would choose that. And uh, anyway, um, yeah, so sometimes it, it's it's a, a sadness, I would say, that is associated with decisions that the person has made. Uh, other times there is real mental mental illness there alongside of other things, and it's hard to identify. And sometimes people are going to um, counselors and they're going to doctors and you know, they're, they're trying different medications, trying to, trying to find a balance, you know, or something that works for them, you know? Um, and so that can be a, a, a juggling act for a while, you know, until we figure out exactly what's going on until somebody is stable. Um, cause when people come in, you know, to a, a program like that, usually their bodies are pretty screwed up and they've got to, you know, they've got to start eating healthy again and sleeping more. And, you know, um, so a lot of times that that's enough to get, you know, get their body working properly again. And and they feel better 10 times better just because of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That was really insightful. And um, so one thing I'm kind of wondering, and I, I imagine it would be like a very vicious cycle, but did you typically see even, from your own experience and then from, you know, others you've worked with, uh, did you see like this cycle of 
you know, you had a, a big issue or you had, you know, uh, some type of trauma in your life and then you went to drugs and then the actual problem became much worse because of drugs. The, the problem meaning the depression? Yeah, the depression or like, you know, one of the, the reasons or issues that push someone to use drugs to begin with. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, so the good thing about the good thing about a, a place where, you know, is a community setting where it's more like an inpatient, you know, you're, you're living there and you're surrounded by healthy people. You're learning a lot of new coping mechanisms and um, things that you could be doing that are healthy to, to deal with stress and to deal with pain. Um, and now you have a, a healthy place to do that in with people who care about you and love you. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we would get to a point in the program or in counseling where you're you're dealing with some things that are coming up like you're saying and yes it's a lot of times it's the very thing that you know helped to drive them into addiction to kind of numb numb the pain out from things that they were dealing with and now they're face to face with that thing again and um the good thing is they're they're doing it in a healthy place with safe people um and and you can walk through that together with somebody else and it's not like you're, you know, you're tapping into this, this old wound and then you're kind of just sending the person off with nowhere to go and nowhere, you know, nobody to reach out to. They're surrounded by people who care about them and, and love them. And um, so that certainly is helpful. Plus they're, you know, if they, if they need medication, they're, they're on it from their doctor and, you know, they might be seeing a therapist outside of, you know, a program or whatever. And, um, you know, and I, and I know for my, myself, the same, same type of thing, um, you know, bringing up old stuff, bringing up a lot of guilt, you know, um, things that you try to numb out with, you know, drugs and alcohol or, or whatever addiction it is to kind of just, you know, not be thinking about it, numb the pain. And now, now you're kind of dealing with all, all of that. And, you know, big part of the big part of like, you know, coming clean and, and, and actually living sober is like, you know, reaching out to the people that you hurt and like, you know, talking to them about it or apologizing to them and, you know, asking what you can be doing to, you know, to make it right with them. And those are, man, those are super hard things. There, there are things that a lot of people um, might take for granted, to be honest with you, after, after going through it myself and then after bringing other guys through a process like that, I think, man, I, I don't think I don't think a lot of people don't know how to do this. Um, they don't really know how to, you know, to have harder conversations with other people. They don't know how to, you know, confront their own uh, failures and their own, you know, uh, sin against somebody else. And then to ask for an apology like that's hard stuff to do. Um, and so we try to do that in a healthy place. Um, with other healthy people so that they have a solid support system. And, and so when, when, when somebody goes on, let's say, you know, a home visit and now they're facing their family who they 
stole jewelry from to to get drugs and you know whatever i mean i stole my mother's you know my mother's mother's uh diamond rings out of out of the uh, safe uh at the house and sold them i pawned them for drug money and so i mean i had to go back to my mom and and you know she knew what i did and that's hard stuff to do people don't want to face that and so that can keep people out there longer using drugs and of course that's depressing it's depressing to think about so you don't want to deal with that and, and hence the, the cycle of that keeps people in, a, in addiction and you know um so yeah i, I guess right. what i'm saying is yeah they, they definitely go hand in hand and in facing some of those things um, brings up a lot of pain brings up a lot of hurt but doing it in a, a safe supportive healthy environment is a yeah that's the way to go yeah thank you thank you for sharing that dan um and and if i'm if i heard you correctly and i i certainly believe it's true but the uh the transparency and vulnerability is a hard thing to do then is what you were saying extremely extremely hard our natural in inkling is not not to do that you know and i think a lot of people are you know you meet people you know at church or at work or wherever you go and you know you want to paint the picture everything is great you know and i mean the other end of it you don't want to be uh debbie downer all the time either and so <laughs> but yeah i mean you got to be you got to let people know what's going on i, mean, I remember one of my mentors telling me like, don't you realize like they're not, you're not giving them a chance to really love you. Like you're, you want them to love your mask, but you don't want them to love you. And, uh, you know, that hit me, mm. you know, that, that one stuck with me and it's true. Wow. You know, Tim Keller talks about, I, I forget his exact quote, but, you know, I think it was from the Meaning of Marriage book. He talked about you know, being fully known and truly loved uh, is the, the greatest thing in the world. You know, we all want to be, you know, fully loved, but we don't want to be uh, fully seen. But God fully sees and he truly loves all of us and uh, including every, you know, every flaw and every failure you know, and that's so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That that's man. Don't, those are some gems right there. I, I am so I am floored and I think I am going to quote, I'm going to quote it. Um, you know, when I, you know, just kind of share the podcast as a preview, but what your, what your mentor said is you want them to love your mask. That is, that is really profound. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I got that. I think my mentor got it from um, a book that they had us read called The Cure. And The Cure is all about uh, transparency and vulnerability and about, you know, this mask that we all wear and how anyway, it, it, it was a it was a good book. I, I think that he might have got it from from that book, but definitely true. If, if you if you looked up. Uh, the cure on YouTube, they've got like a short, a short clip that, you know, the author of the book 
uh, kind of gives a, a quick breakdown of, of the whole book, really, and he's, the thing that he's passionate about, you know, and he talks about these two rooms, the room of good intentions and then the room of grace. And he said, you know, we all want to go into the room of good intentions with the mask on, you know, the mask that, you know, makes it appear everything is put together and, you know, everything is just great with Dan. Uh, but <laughs> problem is everybody else is doing the same thing and nobody really knows each other. So nobody really has a chance to uh, fully know you or, or, or truly, you know, care for you, love you or serve you. You know, they're just loving and serving the mask you're wearing. And, you know, anyway, the guy, the guy goes into this, right. you know, I mean, he breaks down, he has to, you know, he leaves there and he, he, he wounds up going to the room of grace, which was the opposite. You know, nobody's wearing a mask there and uh, people are broken there. You know, they're kind of all they're all a little bit messed up in their own way. And but people are able to care for each other and really love each other there. That's absolutely good. I, I appreciate that. And I think uh, I really hope some of the listeners will will latch on to that and grab that book. Uh, I'll actually mention, uh, you know, mention the book in the Facebook group as well. And uh, hopefully uh some people uh, who listen will actually go and check that out. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, um, you know, what would you say was like one of the most helpful coping skills for you or from, you know, someone else, uh, you know, in the program or, you know, people that you, you know, supervised or helped? Would you say that there's a coping skill out there that's like, the most helpful or you know one of the most helpful ones out there for people with addictions and depression um i mean honestly there's not there's not anything anybody has ever actually said that has pulled me out of that place where i'm at the, the place where i don't even know how i'm going to get out of bed that day how am i supposed to care for my family um, it seems so beyond me to be able to do the most basic things in those moments. So people trying to tell me encouraging words or phrases or none of that stuff has ever, ever helped me. Um, the most helpful thing anybody's ever done for me um, has really just been someone being there with me, um, not trying to fix me, not trying to pull me up out of where I'm at um, and then getting frustrated because it's not working, but somebody just being there with me, um, maybe even in just the background, um, you know, a friend that just wants to come over and, you know, Hey, I'm going to come over and just do my laundry or, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to cook. Do you want something while I'm in the background, you know, or, you know, my, my wife, she kind of just, she just lets me, just lets me be. Um, sometimes when I'm going through depression about, um, it, it might last days. I, I, I've had it last a few months before and, um, you know, she's very supportive. She's, she's there for me. She's not trying to, to fix me. Um, you know, I think it's helpful to have other, other people that will at least ask you about, <clears throat> how are you really doing right now as, as far as dealing with the depression? Like, how are you, are you 
fighting the natural temptations that come along with the depression, things like self-pity, things like, um, you know, sinful habits or behaviors that can come out because of self-pity and because I'm depressed, I want to isolate big time. And I know that that's not healthy for me. And so I need somebody to come along and ask, you know, am I, am I still trying to fight those things? And, and if I'm not, you know, uh, just them asking is a reminder, like, hey, Dan, you know, you can't, you can't let this, you know, completely uh, take you over. Even though it feels that way in the moment, it feels like there's, there's no way out. Like, uh, you know, all the truths, like usually people know the things that they're supposed to be doing um, or can be doing when they're, when they're really depressed like that. But it just doesn't seem to matter when you're there. It doesn't seem to be a reality. Like, yeah, it's a truth that's out there, but it's not, not a reality for me right now. And, you know, having, having another brother or sister come along and at least ask some of those questions, um, just kind of bring some of what you're feeling to the light. And, and you know, I, I, that's one of the, I don't know, to me, it's one of the better things. Um, a coping mechanism for sure. Uh, getting good sleep, <laughs> um, getting good sleep, and like eating healthy and if you if you can muster up to exercise at all um, I, it seems so impossible for me in the past when i've had depression but usually if i could push myself to at least start to try to exercise or go for a walk or something like that um it, it, it can it can help you know getting checked out to see if is there a medical issue here? Is this a hormonal thing? Sometimes people have depression because of their hormones are, are out of whack. And uh, so getting those things checked out Absolutely. too, you know, um, I know journaling has worked for so many people. I tried over and over to get into the journaling thing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my thing. Uh, one of the best things I, I have found is, is, you know, my wife will tell me, like, you need to go for a drive. And what that means is I'm just going to get in my car. I'm going to put on some music with nobody else around. And I'm going to listen to music. And I'm going to drive up and down uh, the, the Bayview Way, down by, uh, you know, the Irondequoit Bay. I go up and down those hills and just kind of, you know, going through the woods and listening to music and you know, talking to God. And, you know, I might try to push myself to sing some, you know, hymns. Um, you know things like that those are those have been helpful too yeah thank you for sharing that man and i i, I really appreciate the, the the honesty and the transparency especially around when you get into a really dark place and and the darkest depths there there really isn't much in those moments that can pull you out right like um when i when i talk to clients a lot of times i say like depending on the severity yeah. of your depression, uh, none of these things I'm saying to you are gonna yeah, actually yeah. work. You know what I mean? Like, so if you're if you're a severe depression, if you're in the pits of depression, journaling may not work in that moment, or you know, uh, you know, positive self affirmations and even exercise. You could run like 15 miles. In, in the severe depression and it won't change your mood right. after running 15 miles, right. you know? And so um, I, I try to be realistic around that saying that you may have to take more extreme measures. Like you may have to 
look into medications or look into getting blood work or look into, you know, checking out the hormonal stuff or physical afflictions, yeah. other places in your body. Yeah. Um, so, but one thing you said, just, you know, bringing it back to a, you know, a faith perspective is, you know, when you said, I just mm -hmm. want someone to be around. Uh, one thing I've really been trying to flesh out and develop is, um, you know, uh, looking at ways that Jesus actually counseled in the Bible and looking at ways that Jesus dealt with like suffering uh, for himself and for others. And one thing you said that really uh, reminded me of this was you just want somebody yeah. to be around, even if it's in the background. And that reminds me of when uh, Jesus was in the garden. He just he asked his disciples to yeah. sit here and pray with me. You know, he just wanted someone to be there with him. And, you know, you'll hear the you'll hear the saying misery loves company. And, and I, I always turn that on its head and say, I think most people who are suffering, uh, you know, they 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 need mm -hmm. company and they want company. You know, it's, it's just not some, you know, uh, cynical saying. It's like a real thing. We live in a hurting world and we need those friendships and we want those friendships for people to just be there and to be able to listen when we feel it's time to express yeah, our sorrow. Yeah, for sure, hurt, man. Right? I, I feel that, that one of the, the most hurtful things is somebody that you love who just doesn't get it and is, is, is trying to trying to fix you because you're making them feel uncomfortable with your depression or with whatever you're going through. Um, it can make other people feel uncomfortable. They don't really know how to be around that. They don't know how to sit there with you in that. Uh, as with any form of suffering, um, it, it can make people feel uncomfortable. And it's hard for them to, to maybe see it that way in, in the moment. But I, I think often that's what's, that's what's happening. And uh, when, when someone's trying to do that to you, that, that, that you uh, maybe admire or you love, it can be really hurtful because they're essentially saying you're like, you're just like broken. And why can't you just, why can't you just snap out of this right now? Like, look, look at all the things in your life. How could you be depressed right now? And like, man, that can be some of the most hurtful wound, wounds uh, to, to carry. And so I don't know, man, I, I found in, when I'm getting in that place of, of depression, I, I'm not going to tell too many people that, that I, that I, um, too many people that are close to me that I know are not going to get it because I don't want to open myself up to that type of hurt either. And if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've experienced that. And I, 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 I won't rehash it again. Uh, just for the sake of, uh, my, one of my best friends, <laughs> I don't want to bring it up again. Cause I've, I've brought it up a couple of different times, but I've had a moment where a really good friend, you know, said something really hurtful, uh, and unintentionally, mm -hmm. like unintentionally, uh, this, this guy's my brother. I love him to death. He knows that. Uh, but it was something he said to me in the middle of depression yeah. that it, it broke me, man, in the middle of it. And, uh, you know, I, you, you can always talk to me, man. Like I've been there and I've, I've made it, uh, I've honestly, I've found, so much freedom and talking about my suffering, even if the person doesn't yeah. understand necessarily, because um, 
I really believe that there is there is a certain liberty and transparency mm-hmm. and vulnerability that you know, as you said, we typically run from that. We we don't want that, but there's a there's a certain freedom in sharing the reality of who we are and what we're going through. It's almost as if God built it into his creation. Whereas if we speak what it really is or what's really going on, there's a certain freedom and liberty in it. And uh, I think that's why journaling can be so beneficial for people because they're essentially uh, stating what they are feeling and how they are feeling. And then that Mm -hmm. mask is, is removed because they're, they're, they're being true to themselves. And then to take it further, they tell other people and then they're being true to others. Uh, and so it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a massive amount of Liberty, but in the pits of depression, it might just be a tiny bit of Liberty or you may not feel any Liberty at all. But I think over time, as you keep doing it, you know, uh, it, it, it offers a measure of Liberty as you get into a rhythm and pattern of that vulnerability. It's an interesting take, man, you know? because I feel like sometimes when I'm, when I'm there and I know like maybe talking to you, it might be different. Somebody that I know might, might get it. But if, if I sense that other person um, is going to try to like fix me or if they're not going to get it or, you know, uh, something like that, it feels almost like this is too, this is too risky. Like this is too personal to kind of throw out there. Like I can't, I can't open myself up to that. Uh, but, but, but I'm kind of hearing you're saying like, Absolutely. it's healthy to get over that and kind of just push through it and, and open up anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Cause here's the thing. Like I get what you're saying. There's a real, there's a real danger in the sense that you could be wounded by the person's response. And if the person isn't like, a, mm-hmm. you know, em- empathetic listener yeah. and they're just like you said, trying to fix you, there could be some real, you know, damage or adverse, you mm-hmm. know, effects of that. But, but if you're, you know, if you say, Hey, listen, you know, I want to say some things to you and this is really me just, I, I just really want to be vulnerable and transparent with you. I right. don't want you to fix me. I don't want you to try to fix me, but I just want to express myself. Yeah. And yeah. would you be willing to listen? You know what I mean? So if, yeah. you, if you preface it with that, it'll probably be a lot harder for them to then say, you know what, yeah. dope man, how come you're not trying yeah. this? Yeah. Or you should feel better. You know what I mean? And if they, if you preface That's it with good. that and then you put that out there, I think it's going to be a teaching moment for them. And it's going to allow you to have that. You know what, though? To get that listen, stuff as out, you're telling you know? me that, I'm smiling because I know exactly what you're saying. But here's the thing with me is now I know that if I preface it with that and they may not they may not say anything that's going to uh, be harmful or anything. But you know what? I'll have to say it and then look away because what I'm looking at is their nonverbal expressions. But if I if I see a um, a reaction, a nonverbal reaction that tells me, man, you crazy, like you're depressed over that or something like that. If I if I see that look on their face, 
it's just the same to me. Mm-hmm. So maybe I have to say it and then look away. You know what though? I think you raise a good point. And I don't I as as a as a you know, as a human, as a person who's gone through depression and as a therapist, I do want to encourage you, myself, and other people that there are people and friends and family that you can trust more with your vulnerability and should trust right. more. Like I don't think you should be whimsical with it. Um typically do it just because I'm not currently depressed and I want to bring so much awareness to it that I'm like, I don't care. I'll tell the whole world. I take two medications now. I've been depressed in the past. Like I'm like, I don't care. I'm in a good place. So I'm going to tell the whole world when I'm feeling, you know, down or whatever, but it's just, I want to do it for the Mm -hmm. sake of helping others who suffer so that, so that hopefully over time, it, it's so normalized that when you do speak out about it, there's actually yeah. a wide scale acceptance yeah. of, hey, man, yeah, that's good. Give you that's space good. to talk, you know. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I think that discernment is still that discernment is still good, man. I don't think that's something yeah. to kind of uh, to just wink at. And I, I hope I can make light of it. I think uh, it's it's certainly something you got to be discerning about. And I think as you suffer. You, as you yeah. said, you start to know who will respond and how they'll respond and who you could be well, more you know comfortable that, sharing. You, what you're saying reminded you know? me of when I got out of uh, when I got out of the men's addiction program back in 2013. I was on I was on fire, man. As far as like, man, you know, the Lord deliver me of drugs and alcohol, and like, I'm not I'm not afraid to tell anybody and. I was open and upfront with anybody and everybody pretty much. And uh, I was trying to get a job after the mission. Now I hadn't worked in 14 months. I'm trying to get a job. And I was, you know, I'm telling, I'm, I'm telling everybody about my, my drug habit and where I was and everything, you know, on my interviews and, uh, and I wasn't getting a job. And, you know, my mom, my mom would ask me, you know, how, you know, how's it going? You know, and I said, oh, I can't get a job. You know, do they, did they ask about your, your drug history? I said, I told them, you know, you know, they didn't ask, that, but I told them. And uh, my mom told me, <laughs> she said, honey, she said, you could be honest with people. She said, but you don't have to go around singing like a canary. And I, when she said that, it stuck with me because I said, you know what? She's, <laughs> she's right. Like it, it could be something that I, you know, I've got to use some wisdom there mm-hmm. as well. And I don't have to tell everybody. For sure. Yeah. And that's true. And I think it, it can, you know, when you, when you, when you discern, you know, when you're cautious about it or calculated about it, I think the beautiful part about it, the most beautiful part about it is someone who needs to hear it, hears that and they get, they get some sort of healing message or encouragement from your suffering, you know, and that honestly, that's like my greatest concern now. Like I, I wouldn't necessarily go into yeah. a room of brand new people and say this stuff, but I'll, I told, I, I say it and try to shout it out to the masses. Mm-hmm. So someone in that dark corner can hear, Oh, that guy went through it. You know, this, he got help. You know, maybe yeah. there's some hope for me. Maybe I can get help. Yeah. You know, and and go, get into counseling and right, right. and and get into a better place. You know what I mean? And so, 
That's what I, yeah. I shoot. I shoot out there for that yeah. one person. Yeah. No, Let good. me get this out good there. Stuff. You know what I mean? Final question. What what would you say to someone out there right now struggling with addictions, you know, or depression? Like, what would you say to them? Like, just to kind of encourage yeah. them um, uh, in a well, moment like that? I think I think first asking asking yourself. Uh, or maybe other people that are that know you well enough to first of all is uh is this thing warranted like is it deserving of being sad um you know did uh, did i lose somebody that i loved recently or you know and could i be sad because i'm i'm not living according to my own convictions um and and I and I and I say ask yourself that and and people close to you because uh, there may be things that are uh, that you need to deal with uh, there because uh, sometimes for for me I mean I I analyze those things and, and I wasn't coming up with anything um, and I truly believe that it, it was just you know something physical it was something neurochemical. Um, and I, I had to, to, to ride through it, you know, and I tried different medications and, and all of that. And, you know, in the end, I, I really was just kind of waiting it out. And I believe that it was an, you know, something that the Lord allowed in my life and it drew me closer to him and, you know, caused me to just really lean on him for strength and for grace to, to get through those times. And, um, because for me, the medications didn't, didn't help. I tried so many medications. Um, but so that, that would, that would be the first thing I'd say, analyze is, is this thing warranted in your life? And then if you have things that you need to address, address them. Um, and then, you know, knowing, obviously, you know, everybody says it like, no, you're not alone. Uh, many have felt, many people have felt similar feelings in a similar way that, that you do. Even, even Jesus, you know, you know, Isaiah 53, a man of man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Like Jesus, Jesus knows that kind of kind of pain. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I would I would say, you know, do do everything that is in your scope of responsibility. If there's things that you can be doing, do them. If you, if, if you can get to the doctors to have yourself checked out, do it. If you can be eating better, do it. If your sleep is off because you're playing video games till four in the morning, you know, knock it off, change, change your gaming time or whatever it is, um, you know, adjust things that you, you could adjust, you know, first of all, you know, so like do, do what you can do, uh, journal, you know, do all of those things that, that you know that you can do. Um, I'd say include, include somebody else into it with you you know invite somebody else in into your suffering even if you don't feel like it um going going against how you feel to do something that you know is healthy and right is really hard but it's usually really rewarding like, like you were talking about reaching out to people you know sometimes that they might not get it they may not get exactly what you're you're going through and that can that can bring about a temptation to completely shut down for the future and not to open up to anybody and you know just you know that that's not going to be the answer you know that that's not ultimately going to help you your, your help is not going to 
come from shutting down and not opening up to anybody. Um, and, and then I, I think lastly, just, you know, use it, like use the depression, like the depression is, it's there. Like you can't just make it go away. Um, you know, you, you can't, you can't just control it in that aspect. So, you, you know, find a way to, to use it. Like I, I truly believe that, you know, like in Romans 8, 28 and 29 talking about like God has a, a purpose and he in, can use all of these things uh, in our lives. And of course it's not, it's not, not easier. doesn't seem helpful to hear that in the moment, but you know, when you're, when you're going through those times, like God can use those times to really teach you um, how to, how to draw close to him and how to depend on him in those moments. You know? um, so as so I would say, use it, you know, you use the depression and, and make it, make it work for you in, in some way. You know, if you can, I'm not saying suffer, just suffer through it and don't, don't do anything about it, do what you can. But after you've done all that you can, and it's still there, um, you know, al allow it to shape you for good and not, not have you go down this dark hole and uh, I completely isolate and have you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Them some, those are some gems right there, man. I, I thank you for sharing that, man. That's, that is some really good stuff, man. And, um, so, um, yeah, man. Well, well, thank you, Dan, for being on the surviving depression podcast today. I really appreciate you, your time and your experience. And I'm sure the listeners will as well. Um, so, yeah, and so thank you thank for coming you so on, much man. For, I really appreciate you know, having, you, having, you know, it's a platform like this for, for people to come and, and listen to. I know it, it can be really hard when you're in a dark place to get up and do much. Um, but turning on a podcast and listening to a message, to other people that are, have gone through similar struggles is, can be, can be really a, a light when you're in that dark place. So, so awesome, man. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining me on the Surviving Depression Podcast. I am your host, Carl Binger. To those out there suffering from depression, I just want to say to you, you are not alone. I've been there before. There are others suffering now, and I truly hope you will see some light in this darkness soon. You are loved, and I pray that you would be healed of depression's dark grip. I also pray that God would place supportive and understanding people in your life. This podcast or the guests on the show are not meant to replace therapy or emergency services. If you or anyone you know needs immediate mental health assistance, please call 911 or reach out to a medical professional. Please feel free to join and invite family members and friends to our supportive Facebook community, Surviving Depression. Also, visit the website at survivingdepressiongroups.com for merchandise and media resources. Until next time.